We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome into another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast Draft Edition, where hand size does not matter, but RAS is absolutely important when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. And of course, alongside me this afternoon, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this, is Rob Rieger the guest of Pack-A-Day Podcast during the draft season, and I, of course, am Matt Fralick. Eli Berkovitz cannot make it with us today. He's got some other oblos going on, but that's fine because Rob assured me, quarterbacks are your specialty, Rob. You said, I'm, you know, we're doing quarterbacks tonight? He said, we're doing quarterbacks tonight, Rob. And you said, excellent. That's what I write Cheesehead TV for, so I'm excited to get break that down because you know a hell of a lot more probably than I do, so I'm excited to have you on, Rob. Um, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I was a little under the weather last week when we did our podcast, but I'm uh, I'm good to go today. And uh, yeah, it's it's weird that uh, quarterbacks have become kind of my specialty in the draft and watching film, considering the Packers need a quarterback about every you know 15, 16 years. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, maybe this year. I mean, I, I honestly, Matt, I wouldn't rule it past the Packers. If there is a day, you know, maybe a trade with Jordan Love that they could potentially look for kind of that next, next heir apparent to, to Aaron Rodgers, because obviously he's not going to be around forever. So uh, if they do decide to move from Jordan Love and get some additional draft capital, I'm thinking that this year might be a good opportunity for them to maybe grab a guy in the middle of rounds and kind of groom him to take over. Absolutely. And I think it's important, Rob, that we start this episode with that. And we kind of riff on that a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like early on when we were doing core receivers, foregone conclusion after draft a couple offense alignment, need to prioritize that running back probably going to happen. We kind of debated whether or not, but let's, let's talk about the quarterback selection. Do, do you, you said the, the Packers need to prioritize drafting a quarterback, probably day two, day three, possibly a scenario with um, Jordan Love in the mix. But ultimately um, I would agree with you. I think that it absolutely has to happen. Now, is it is it fun to think that two years ago they traded up and took Jordan Love and they're going to possibly have to draft another quarterback again? No, it's not a it's not a super exciting you know, pill to swallow. But ultimately, from my stance, I don't know about you on Jordan Love. We really haven't talked much about that uh, personally. I'm I'm not really in on him. I kind of maybe I'm you know 
cutting him off a little early because of that COVID year, he didn't really get the preseason games and didn't get any of that training camp reps. So he is behind the curve a little bit. But ultimately, when we've seen him on the field, specifically the KC game, a couple preseason games, it's just it hasn't been anything super, super fantastic. And it sucks to think you cut ties with a guy that you trade up for like that from a quarterback standpoint. But ultimately, drafting a guy and having him sit even behind Jordan Love wouldn't be a bad scenario. So um, basically, I guess you think they need to draft a quarterback. Is that ultimately where we're at? Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends. And, you know, I would go, I'll go back to Jordan Love's situation Please. is that I studied him in, you know, intently back, back in the day when he was coming out. And I, I was a huge fan of his. I thought that his arm talent was fantastic. I thought that he could throw off a different platform. I thought his accuracy was above average. He was a little bit of a victim to his team had lost eight out of 11 starters uh, from one year to the next. So there was a little talk about how he regressed. I didn't see that on tape. I saw him actually under duress delivering the ball on time, on target. So I'm definitely not out on Jordan Love. But when you ask me would I rather have Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, of course, the answer is Aaron Rodgers for as long as he wants to play football for us. So um, it's just – it's honestly like not a fair situation for him. He was drafted into something. It's not his fault, but had he been drafted in many other places, he'd already be at least been given a, a fair shot at the starting job. So I would not write him off. And I know that there are some teams that did like him coming out of the draft. And I don't know if he's shown anything to dissuade them from liking him anymore. He's only played one full game, and then he played a second half of the of the last Detroit game. But other than that, he hasn't really seen any. And then the year before, in his first year of development, was the COVID year. So we didn't have a lot of the things that, you know, rookie quarterbacks typically would have uh, in the whole offseason. So, and he's also young for his age. He, he was young coming out. So I believe that, uh, actually I'm pretty sure about this, is that Kenny Pig is older than him. Mm-hmm. And he's being looked at as a first as a first round quarterback this year, potentially even as high as number six to Carolina. And I mean, you tell me, and taking the talent level of Jordan Love with two years of development and that being age having a factor in this, I'd rather have Jordan Love than Kenny Pickett any day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I, your thoughts are on that. No, I totally agree. And like you, you mentioned it, and I want to pull that little uh, word you use: is situations, right? Like if 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 Jordan Love, you know, unfortunately, maybe would go to like a, a New York Jets or a Miami Dolphins before they made this overhaul, like what does his career look like? Does he get thrusted in there? You know, does he get in a new regime? Just be like, all right, man, get get you throw you out to the wolves, like Zach Wilson did, or someone maybe in you know Detroit, he gets thrown in there and he's in the mix before they get Jared Goff, et cetera, et cetera, and it's. You don't really know what you get out of them. But like you said, like side by side, if we're talking trade value and who you'd want to trade for, this goes back to the whole Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen situation, right, where they were moving kind of some moving parts. And it's like, well, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a guy that is a top talent that was a first-round grade who was very good in college? Obviously, Jordan Love didn't have the, the supporting cast as probably Sam Darnold and maybe even Josh Rosen. But ultimately, they've had they've, – they've cut their teeth in the league. They know what an offseason looks like. They know what – you know, the training camp looks like they have taken preseason reps. They've done the travel stuff. They've they've done everything that they need to do to be a, a quarterback in this league. They just haven't been presented with an opportunity because um, a back-to-back MVP is sitting in front of them. So 
I don't know. I mean, I I imagine the people listening like would go back and forth too, right? Like Kenny Pickett, maybe they think he's a little bit more polished dude, like whatever. They also like maybe a little bit more gritty playing up in Pittsburgh, playing, you know, a Pittsburgh dude where Jordan Love haven't really seen much, not really that all that polished. The skill set is definitely there if they can hone it in. I I think we could go back and forth. Ultimately, I think I'm I'm going to side with the Jordan Love as a uh, potential suitor for someone if I was looking for a quarterback just because he is younger. Um, and ultimately, selfishly, as a Packers fan, let's get some draft equity back for Jordan Love. But we're going to kind of start this, Rob, and you mentioned Kenny Pickett. I kind of have him as my number one. We're kind of going to go through top to bottom, a little unorthodox, but who cares? It's quarterbacks. We're going to do what we got to do. Okay. I guess I have Kenny Pickett slide as the number one quarterback. Do you agree or disagree? I'm a little bit – I'm <laughs> – I'm I'm not quite as high on him. I, okay. I have him as my number three rated quarterback. Okay. And but we can certainly discuss him. I mean, Please. you know, the, we do talk about hand size a lot, but eight and a half inch hands are really small for a quarterback. Let's just let's just be real. Um, you know, he was a guy who played at Pittsburgh. He had a great year last year, no question about it. But he's also almost 24 years old right now. So by the time the season starts, he will be 24 years old. Actually, in June, he turns 24. So. You're talking about a guy who, yes, he had a great season, 42 touchdowns. He had only seven interceptions. But if you just look at the year before, he only had 13 touchdowns. The year before that, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, he's not a multi-year polished player. And uh, I just – I think that teams in general, and this is going to be for everybody, they're going to try to talk them into him. They're going to take a look and they're going to see certain throws. And they do this every single year. Teams mm-hmm. do this year after year after year. What they do is they look at their highlight reel and they see these every once in a while, the, you know, the heavens are open up and then they'll make this great play and they'll say, wow, if we can only harness that, if we can only harness that greatness and do it all the time consistently, we're going to have a franchise quarterback. The problem is that those guys aren't, the reason they're not that polished and they don't have that ability. And you see it every single year. These teams fall in love with traits and they fall in love with, and let's just, you know, just kind of bringing back another thing, Matt, is that quarterback is, and let's just be real about this is a very, very hard position to play. And I get in discussions all the time with people. I said, well, you know, can't the, why can't the NFL find 32 capable quarterbacks? But the reality of the situation, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, is that, number one, you have to be really smart to play quarterback. You not only have to know your position, but you have to know what every other position on the offense is doing. You know all the routes that the receivers are running, and you have to process this stuff very quickly because the call's being made into your ear, and you have to process it, and you have to give the call and get to the line. So not only do you have to know what your team is doing, but you also have to kind of get a feel for what the defense is going to be doing. So, so other, so, so besides that, you have to look at who's going to blitz, who's going to be double teamed, where the, the type of scheme that the defense is playing. Now, even if you have that figured out perfectly, you know what all your guys are going to do, you know exactly what the defense is going to do. You also have to have the physical skills to get the ball to the right place at the right time. So you have to have arm strength. You have to have accuracy. You have to, have certain arm agility in case somebody jumps up. There's so many different things involved in being a starting quarterback, especially in the NFL. And a lot of these guys in college, they have set reads. The coach will tell them in his ear, okay, look for this guy, look for that, look for the X, look for the Y, 
look for the slot, look for the back out of the backfield. And those guys don't necessarily have to read defenses. Now, the other thing to go along with that is that if you have everything perfect, you have the talent, you know what everybody's doing, if the play breaks down, then you instantly on the fly have to make an adjustment. And a lot of times that's what separates guys like Aaron Rodgers from the guys that don't necessarily make it, is that he has that ability that if things don't go the way that he has planned or something breaks down, that he can very quickly, instantaneously make an adjustment and go from there. So just with that being said, the quarterback position is so difficult to play and so many guys get swallowed up. High draft picks get swallowed up. They just can't handle it. So from a Kenny Pickett standpoint, I think he has the maturity. I'm just not sure what his upside is. I really don't. I see him as a guy that could be an okay quarterback, a space filler, but nobody that is going to wow people. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely correct on many facets. One, I'm going to agree with you on the, the, the most recent thing you said is Kenny Pickett. The upside, it's really not there. I, I don't see when we're going to get to some of these like more athletic dudes. Like the, the athleticism for Kenny isn't really as much as you would get with a couple other guys. And I completely agree with you. The quarterback spot. Many many years ago, when I started getting in the NFL more, I was like had the same sentiment that you kind of brought up as a, a scenario that people would say to you, like, why can't there be 32 solid quarterbacks in the league? Why does it only seem like five to ten teams have a chance to win the Super Bowl each year? Well, one. You nailed it. I mean, you absolutely crushed it. Not only do you have to be physically gifted, you have to be able to make multiple throws 
when guys can break on a route much faster. You got to be able to throw these, you know, those pocket throws in between a cover three or a cover two on the sideline. You got to be able to hit guys in stride. You know, you got a different skill sets and guys are faster, obviously, offense and defensively. But ultimately, it's it's just the game that moves so damn fast. The cognitive speed that you need to be processing information at is just unbelievable. Um, you don't have the the coach or the offensive coordinator in your ear like you're saying, hey, you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna be a bubble screen left. You're gonna dump it up to this guy if it's not there. You know, check it down to you know the tight end sitting on the flat road or something like that. You don't you don't get that in the NFL because they're gonna take those reads away. Not only are the players better in the NFL, but the coaches are better. They know to scheme around it, right? They some of these coaches have been defensive coordinators for teams for decades. Like there's these right. dudes that have just cut their teeth. Um, I think always like the AFC North, right? Like just like there's just always these super solid defenses. Like you're not going to come in there and start right. slinging around on a, a Mike Tomlin defense or a, a Harbaugh Ravens defense, and you're playing down in I don't know the Big Twelve or the the Pac Twelve. Like it's just there's you're not going to get you're not going to get away with some of the stuff you normally get get away with. So it, ultimately, yeah, it's 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 a tough thing, but I think situational, right? Like to going to a bad situation for a quarterback, it sucks. Like any time, yeah. like I already mentioned, the Jets, like. Anytime a quarterback goes to the Jets, no matter how good they are, it's like you you hope the best, but like what do you really expect out of them? Like there's just those programs for decades and decades that just keep churning out dudes that they're, just, they're, they're taking high draft equity on quarterbacks and just not getting anything. So um, I could see Kenny Pickett going into a situation which would be ideal. I just don't know where that is. Carolina seems a little bit more advantageous with uh, Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo there on offensive coordinators than some other spots, but. Ultimately, Rule hasn't showed much in the NFL with all the quarterbacks he's had. Ben McAdoo hasn't been all that great. I was actually surprised when they brought him in as the OC down in Carolina. So um, I, we'll see where Kenny Pickett lands. But I think ultimately the common denominator that you both and I agree with is just the, the upside is just not there if you're going to select him in the top 10, even the top half of the first round. I would say I, would say I agree with you. Uh, the spot that I'd be looking at if, if he does get past Carolina is, is Pittsburgh at 20. That okay. That could be a potential spot. I think he can be effective in that offense because they are kind of a run-first offense. They're kind of a ground-and-pound play action. He has decent mobility, and I think that he could execute that offense if it's tailored to his specific skill set. So I think he could find some success there. I'm just not sure if I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I'm jumping up and down and doing cartwheels if it comes down to number 20 and, and Kenny Pickett's the guy. Um, I just, you know, I signed Mitchell Trubisky in the off season and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, we're spending a lot of time on this, but I can tell you right now, like the hand size does matter. It does. And, and, and I'll argue at, to the death is that it's easier. Uh, just picture this way. Try grabbing one of those mini footballs with your hand and then mm-hmm. try dry, grabbing a regular football after that and see which one's easier to throw. And <laughs> Kenny Pickett's eight and a half inch hands are the smallest out of any quarterback in the NFL. So there's no quarterbacks currently in the NFL that have smaller hands than Kenny Pickett does. So, I mean, take for, I mean, I don't think it's the end all be all. It's not like the ball is just going to slip out of his hands randomly, but he also had a lot of fumbles in college. So that was one thing that just to keep in mind. No, it's a good point. Uh, I'm going to open it up to you now then, right? So I went with Kenny Pickett being my number one. I, I, I wasn't fully committed to that, but I've been running with it for a couple months. So I don't really feel like switching my tune. <laughs> you have him down at number three. I mean, yep. who, who is your number one guy right now? So I, I, you know, I'm a big traits guy, Matt, and and the reason why I'm a big traits guy is if you look at most of the best players in the NFL, they have elite traits of some kind. They have something that they do better than everybody else, and you don't see a whole lot of guys that are good but not great that become franchise players. 
And Malik Willis is the one guy in this draft, the the literal one guy in this draft, that I can see some elite traits. Now, they do have to be developed. He's from a smaller school at Liberty, but he's a fantastic athlete. He's fast, and his arm is just an absolute cannon. Uh, it compares actually very well to Jordan Love, believe it or not, as far as just just, just straight-up arm strength. And, no, not only does it show in the games – but it also shows in his pro day when he was rolling out to his left and he was kind of flinging the ball back like 65 yards to his right on a dime. And you just don't see that. So what I think teams are going to do, and that's actually where I see Carolina looking, is that he's the only guy in this draft that I can say, okay, this guy has the potential to for greatness. And he has the potential to be a guy that we can hang our hat on and get to that second contract. And you know with quarterbacks, those second contracts are really, really expensive. If you take a look right now, Kyler Murray has this big issue, a big dust-up with Arizona, and he wants the big money. You have Lamar Jackson that wants his big money. So you're seeing some of these quarterbacks, you know, that are much younger, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're getting their money. If you draft a guy high, you want them to get to that second contract, but you better be sure that he's your guy. And I think that Malik Willis is the one guy that I can say, okay, with the proper development, with the proper coaching, with the proper supporting cast, could come in and be that franchise guy that could lead you deep in the playoffs or potentially to a Super Bowl. I don't see that with any other prospect in this draft. Super reasonable. Like, I, I don't disagree with that. I think Malik Willis, you know, someone will look like Liberty, like who the hell comes out of Liberty, right? But ultimately, if you actually watch – some of his tape, like he is an absolute playmaker. He can he can do everything you'd want a quarterback to do. I'm gonna kind of shoehorn something in here. I, my initial reaction to Malik Willis when I was going through the tape, like some of it did remind me of Jordan Love at Utah State. Did you get any of those vibes, or am I just not in the depths of quarterbacks as I should be? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's yeah. I brought that, I brought that up um, in my little diatribe about, about yes. him is that um, when I saw the arm strength and I saw the ball pop out of his arm out of his hand. Sometimes, and, and one of the things I, who was I? Oh, I was uh, messaging back and forth with Mike Mayock back when he was uh, at the NFL Network, and I was asking him about why everybody likes to go to pro days, why they like to be on the sidelines. And he says that it's, it, he told me that it's different when you're live and you can actually hear the ball coming out of the, some of these guys' hands. And you can see the ball, and it just looks different coming out of certain guys that you can't really get from television. And from what I gathered from all the reports that I saw from his pro day is that he was just, just throwing rocket balls. And Jordan Love was doing the same thing at his. So I see him as a guy, and also the athletic ability. Uh, believe mm-hmm. it or not, I mean, this guy's a fast runner. He's very agile. I mean, he had almost back-to-back. If you look at his stats, he almost got to 1,000 yards rushing in back-to-back years. And he had 29 career touchdowns rushing, including 27 his last two years as a starter. Those are some serious numbers to go along with his, you know, 48 career touchdowns. He has an additional 29 rushing touchdowns. So he would be a guy that if you get down to the one, the two would be a threat to run as well. So, you know, from my standpoint, it's no guarantee because he is from Liberty. But, man, I'm, I'm thinking that if you take a shot on him, I don't know if anyone would blame you, even if he doesn't quite pan out, because he's a guy that could develop into that long-term starter. And I think a lot of it you mentioned, too, with the contracts, too, is 
you kind of almost want to gamble with some guys, right? Like you don't want to have a guy where you're like, ah, man, this guy's like, you know, 30 and 25. We're not seeing any, like, do we really want to keep him around? And I, at the top of my head, I can't think of an example of a quarterback in the league right now, but I know there's tons of guys that are like that. I mean, Baker Mayfield's probably one like that where it's just like, dude, do we really want to give this guy the second contract? Let's take a home run shot on a super athletic dude, Malik Willis, and see if he can pan out. And if he doesn't, that's fine. We get rid of him in a couple years. But, like, don't make the decision of drafting a quarterback extra hard down the road of, like, man, do we really want to give this guy a second chance, even though he's just a couple games over 500, has maybe won one playoff game, and we really haven't done much. So I think it's it's almost worth the gamble at that point with a guy like Malik Willis. I agree. I agree with you, man. And, you know, just, just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, I think one of the worst things that a team can do is give that big money contract to a guy who's not a franchise quarterback, who's maybe just a little bit above average just because you don't want to change. Uh, we have seen that, and it's not happening with Baker Mayfield, but there was a time that they were looking to extend him last year. Uh, Sam Darnold's another guy that they're looking very seriously into extending and ended up not extending him. But even with Dak Prescott, he was a guy that it took him a while to really be convinced that he was the guy down in Dallas. And he hasn't really proven anything. He's just making a, a ton of money right now. But he, he hasn't really he, – he's a good player. But I think that that might come to hurt them down the road because I don't know if he's, like, that guy mm-hmm. to, to lead them to that Super Bowl. You know, whereas some of those other guys – you know, Miami will run into that same situation with Tua. They're going to have to find out very quickly probably this year if he's going to be their guy because they just had the draft capital with Tyreek Hill. They just drafted Jalen Waddle very high. They have some weapons over there. But they need to find out and find out quickly if Tua was going to be the guy. If not, they need to cut bait and find somebody else to come in there before they get to that second contract. Absolutely, man. Totally on board with you. So we already mentioned, obviously, Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis is more of a, a prospect that could pan out to someone being way more upside. Um, your number two guy, and I'm, I'm going to yep. go on a limb here and guess it's Matt Corral, but I could I could see an argument for maybe Sam Howell. I could see Desmond Ritter. Um, you tell me. Nope. No, I, I, I really like Matt Corral. I think that okay. he has kind of that he, he has kind of that uh, swagger about him that I that I like. Uh, he's a guy who has great stats. He's a fantastic athlete. Uh, he's a multi-year starter there. So to me, I think Corral could be sort of that guy that, that we don't might not go first round, maybe late, but he there's always a guy in every draft. There's always a guy that we don't quite see as being that guy, but he ends up being a lot better than we had expected because people might miss out on some things with him. But, you know, I think from a production standpoint, he's there. I like the way that Lane Kiffin runs his offense, that it requires very quick decisions. He has to be very he has to be very quick with the ball. He has to be accurate. He has to read defenses as a more advanced offense than some of the other offenses out there in college. So um I I do like him quite a bit. I probably put a first round grade on him or maybe even a high second round grade on him. But I think that he could be that guy that surprises people and, and is a lot better than people think. I mean, he's got some intangibles, right? Like he's he's got some moxie to him. He's a super competitive dude, and like that's the type of guy that you want to have on your team. And playing, like you said, in a Lane Kiffin offense, like not a bad situation to be in. Um, I think Corral is a super solid prospect, um, and I absolutely understand why you have him on your board. 
um, above Kenny Pickett. I do. Let's let's the the next two guys I already kind of mentioned to them. I feel like are the most polarizing for me personally. Like yeah. Sam Howell, and they ha- this happens all the time. And it's it's not fair to the 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 players, and it's not fair to the quarterbacks. But it just it is what it is. Example: A guy balls out his sophomore junior year. They transition into the spring, go into the summer. They're like, this guy is the Heisman candidate in his junior, senior year, and it just falls off. And that is Sam Howell. And it happens time and time again to guys, and it's it's super unfortunate. Is Sam Howell, Sam Howell I mean, was he the Heisman candidate this year? Yeah, maybe the start of the year, but he never really lived up to that. Yeah. What, what do you kind of think of Howell? Because I, like, I started really high on him. I went back. I kind of was like got into that mix of people who were like, oh, he's the next Mitchell Trubisky, obviously low-hanging fruit, both North Carolina yeah. quarterbacks. Not much thought into that. Where do you kind of slot Howell, and what are some things maybe he has to work on, Rob? Yeah, the thing with Howell is he he's one of those guys that kind of falls into, in my opinion, like the, the sort of Sam Darnold ness mm-hmm. uh, about him, where he's like pretty good at everything, but he's not great at anything. So he's 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 pretty mobile, but he's not that mobile. And I think that a lot of times there are certain guys that are just meant to be great college players. It happens it happens all the time. And he almost seems like that type of guy that it just he was just meant to be a great college player and, and he has great stats. He had ninety two touchdowns passing and in fact added a running element to his game this year. He had eleven rushing touchdowns, almost a thousand yards, eight hundred and twenty eight yards rushing. But I just I don't see the upside with him. His his footwork isn't great. His mechanics aren't great. His arm strength isn't great. He's okay with his accuracy. You know, you go down this list of things that you look for in a quarterback, and you're seeing everything that he does being average to slightly above average, which makes for a great quarterback in the ACC, but doesn't necessarily translate into a starting NFL quarterback. And when you're upside, and I've heard this said, your upside is Baker Mayfield, you might be in trouble there. The other thing with him, and I'll just add this real quick, is that he benefited uh, before this year with a fantastic supporting cast. They had D- Diami Bar- Brown, a receiver, Daz Newsome at receiver. They had Javante Williams, Michael Carter out of the backfield. They had a lot of talent around him. So he just kind of had to orchestrate it and not necessarily had to make things happen. So I like the guy. I really do. And I'm rooting for him. And I, think he might have a shot but I just don't I just don't see where the upside is I don't see him as a as a guy that's going to develop into a star player mm-hmm. and I get this all the time there's certain dudes more of like uh, I would say quarterbacks some running backs some defensive backs once in a while that pop off the screen for me in college I'm like I just want this guy to win I don't know why yeah. Sam Howell's that guy to me but you hit you I think you hit it right on the right on the screws he do, he was really damn good in the ACC, but he might just be one of those legendary college football, and I use legendary loosely, one of those legendary college you know quarterbacks that just doesn't pan out in the league. And I think that is ultimately what you're going to get with Sam Howell. Like he did improve on his rushing abilities this year. Obviously, he was making some making some people miss out there. Almost at 100 yards in seven of the 12 games. Yeah. But ultimately, like, I just don't know if that's going to be enough to get in the league. He can throw the deep ball well, but. I just don't know if the accuracy and everything else, the cognitive speed of the game, and just it's going to be enough for him to be a starter. He'll compete for a backup role for a few years, I'm oh, sure. sure of it. But realistically, like if he's going to be one of those 32 guys in the league, I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't see it at this point. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm the same boat on on that. I mean, he could be a guy like a 
you know, a long-term backup. I mean, he could mm-hmm. end up being having a career like a Case Keenum or something like that. I know that Keenum had a little bit better passing stats, but he could be a guy that sticks around. He's a backup. He's a smart kid, and uh, he won't hurt you in any way. And, you know, he'd be a great guy to have. I, I wouldn't even – if he does drop, which I don't think he will, but if he if he's out there third round, fourth round, and really something happens, I wouldn't be mad if the Packers took him. I really wouldn't. Like, I, I think that he'd be a fine backup to Aaron Rodgers, and he'd be kind of like an Aaron Rodgers light where he can do everything okay and above average, but nothing great. Whereas mm-hmm. Rodgers, you know, obviously does everything great. So um, that, that's kind of my take on him. And I bet you're going with uh, are you going with Desmond Ritter with, for the next one, Matt? We're going with Desmond Ritter next, man. Like, had All a right. good – had a super – I don't know what to think of Ritter. Like, I – because he was on the big stage, right, in Cincinnati, like when the college football playoff and et cetera, et cetera, like – 44 career wins like he was a he's been a name just like Howell for many many years that we had talked about him but like I don't I don't feel like he's getting enough love like what's what are the gaps in his game obviously he's super athletic but what are the gaps that are like having people have him lower on the draft board he has two things that I noticed when I was watching his film that I feel will set him back in the NFL and none of which are athletic ability because he is a good athlete and he has a great arm but his decision making to me is very questionable He's a guy who, when I was watching his film, there would be guys open down the field, and he wouldn't pass to the right guy. He wouldn't pass to the open receiver. So part of that might be coaching and telling him who to look for. But by the time you're a senior and you've been a starter for several years, you have to get a little bit better at reading defenses and making good decisions with the ball. Um, I also don't like his mechanics when he throws. And that's another thing. I feel like he has elongated arm path. Mm-hmm. which is something specific, but it's something that I noticed, and he didn't correct it in college because I looked at him. I What I like to do is I like to look at some tape when they're younger, and then I like to see improvement over time. He has a very long arm path, which you can get away with in college, but it's very difficult to get away with in the NFL. You want a very short, compact delivery. So it might be nitpicking, but I think from a mechanic standpoint, he struggles a little bit, and that may be why he gets he has a strong arm is because he's winding up too much. And when you wind up too much, it just defensive backs will break on that ball really quickly, and the and all the windows close much quicker at the NFL level. So that's kind of what I'm looking at with him. I I don't like him as a prospect, and I know that some people are going to fall in love with his with his speed. They're going to fall in love with his arm strength, but I think from a mechanic standpoint, from a decision making standpoint, these are two very very important things at the NFL level that he falls a little bit short in both those categories. Super reasonable. I remember actually in the, the semifinal game, I remember watching him play and I was like, ah, like you said, the decision making was like, man, like I had a, I had a wager on that game, obviously responsibly betting. And it was just like, dude, there's something about him. I was just like, I don't, I don't really see it. Like I, I like the guy and I, I was rooting for him, but it just, there was, there was times where I just, he wasn't having it. It's funny you mentioned too. You talk about the, uh, decision making that made me think of Jordan Love coming out with the bigger yeah. arm. You also mentioned the mechanics and the elongated throwing ability, which is exactly what yeah. was the problem with Aaron Rodgers, right? You literally hit right. on two of their biggest weaknesses, but those can be corrected. I mean, you go into a good situation, someone with a good, you know, a quarterback coach, a good pedigree of some quarterbacks maybe to learn from. Um, and, and you can turn those types of things around when you get in the league, but it's all situational. And if you can't catch up to the game, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, to the cognitive speed and all the plays that you need to know and the 10 other positions on the field, you're never going to make in the league. It doesn't matter if you're Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, or any of the other guys we listed. It's it's never going to happen. Rob, you know who reminds me of, Matt? Yeah. He reminds me of Deshaun Kaiser a lot. Okay. 
Okay. And that, that's kind of what I what I see when I see him. I see a guy who is very athletic, strong arm, but but and that's not really fair to Ritter because Ritter did have a much better college career. So I don't I don't necessarily like to comp guys if I don't have to, but um, that's kind of what I think about when I think about him is kind of the, that Deshaun Kaiser that people fall in love with the certain traits, but he never was really able to put it together. Yeah, that's reasonable. As we we mentioned five guys right now, Rob, and I'm going to let yep. you kind of go off on a tangent because I know you absolutely have the knowledge and the wherewithal to do that. Are there any of these smaller school guys, any gentlemen we haven't mentioned? I feel like there's a personally, I feel like there's a drastic drop off. There might be one or two dudes that you could be in the consideration, the top five. But is there anyone or multiple guys that you need to riff on and just get off on these notes that I'm sure you've had collected for the last nine months? Yeah, there's two of them, actually, and I'm going to start with Carson Strong out of Nevada, who's a guy that Jordan Palmer is is in love with. He's been training him over the last couple months. Uh, that's Carson Palmer's brother, and he's a quarterback guru of sorts now, and he's been singing his praises. He's a huge guy. He's from Nevada. He had put up big stats. I mean, just last year, he was 4,100 yards passing. He had 36 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, but he's kind of a statue, so he's sort of that like old school drop back passer type of type of guy that's sort of gone up the way of the dinosaur. Uh, he would be a guy that, from a straight up drop back passer standpoint, could potentially be a guy. Uh, the other guy, and this guy is going to be everyone's favorite sleeper, is Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. Uh, this is a guy who last year broke Joe Burrow's record for most touchdowns and most yards in a single season for Western Kentucky. So that team in general is sort of pass happy, but I mean, he took that game to a completely different level. He had been at Houston Baptist for four years and then decided to transfer his last year, went to Western Kentucky and he only put up 62 touchdown passes, 65 total because he had three rushing and almost 6,000 yards passing. It's absolute ridiculous <laughs> what he did. And it's just when you look at that, it blows your mind, especially when you compare it to some of these other guys. So there's something there. What I noticed on tape that he was really strong with is he is very accurate with the football. He got the ball out. He got it on time. He didn't hold the ball. He put the ball where it needed to be. He was hitting guys on breaks right out of the breaks. His timing is, was excellent. His accuracy, excellent. He has a very quick release as well. He won't wow people with his arm strength, not even close. He doesn't have a great arm. But when you look at a guy that could potentially, and I hate to throw, see, I don't like comps because when a guy reminds me of somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the same success. But when I look at a guy like Kurt Warner and the way that he played the position of quarterback for the Rams back in the day, I see a lot of those same traits out of Bailey Zappi as a guy who can direct an offense and a guy who can do that. Um, strictly from a talent standpoint, Carson Strong is legit out of Nevada, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Zappi really make a mark here. And uh, he's a little undersized. He has, he has some negatives to him for sure. I mean, he's a little undersized. You know, he has one-year production, small school, all that stuff. But, man, he's a fun guy to watch. So anybody out there, throw on that YouTube highlight video of Bailey Zappi and just watch him play and his uh, – very exciting guy to watch. The statistics for him are absolutely bananas. Like even in his um, his second year at Houston Baptist, 2019, like 3,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, only 15 picks. But like 
you said 62 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions, almost 6,000 yards, almost yeah. 69.3 percentage for um accuracy last year. That is just insane. And people riff on him just like they did with Malik Willis. Oh, he plays at Liberty. He plays at Western Kentucky. But I don't give a shit. Like, ultimately, if you're throwing 60-plus right. touchdowns, almost 6,000 yards, I don't know what that is in miles, um, but I'm sure it's a lot. Like, that is just absolutely insane. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was awed when I watched this tape because some guys, they put up stats and you're like, oh, well, but I, I was so impressed with the mechanics and just how quick he got the ball out of his hand and how fast it got to the location it needed to get to. Um, he's not big. He doesn't have a great arm. He's not fast at all. He has none of those things that when you design a quarterback in the lab, you would get. But at the end of the day, it's about production. And he was so productive in his one year as a starter. And even before that at Houston Baptist, he was really productive there too. Even mm-hmm. the year before, you know, it was a COVID shortened year. In four games, he had 15 touchdowns and one pick. So, I mean, he was still really good over there. And some team's going to get a guy in, you know, wherever it is, third round, fourth round, maybe even fifth round. And they're going to look at this guy and see how rhythmic he is with the ball and how fast he can deliver the ball. So um he's a guy I have my eye on. I'd love it if the Packers – were to maybe take a flyer on him in round five if he's still if he's still available. Fun names, a lot of good names. I mean, the, the best thing about the quarterbacks too is as it, the the draft goes on and on and on and on, you go from the you know the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like, there's a potential for these guys to make it in the league. We mentioned Dak Prescott, right? He was a later round pick. There's tons yeah. of dudes, and we there's go back and forth like all the time. There's always a guy that sneaks into a great situation yep. that is just needs to be a little bit more polished, has a guru around him and, and can make it happen. And I think this year definitely has some guys that are even in the top half that can be super, super polished as they go forward. Um, Rob, as we wrap up here, man, let's, let's make sure we're getting you your notoriety that you need. Obviously you, you, you plugged a Mike Mayock, um, message back and forth <laughs> earlier. So I had to re hit on yeah. that, that you're um, messaging former NFL network analyst and a former GM of the Raiders. That's pretty cool. Um, where can everyone get a hold of you and check out all your work? And I know you got some radio spots coming up too. So yeah, nine, 97.3, the game is, is, uh, kind of my go-to radio station, the Drew and KB show. And that's on uh, from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock uh, Central Time. And uh, they actually have a – they decided to go on vacation next week, which is crazy. So they actually have Dan Needles, who's a legend, and Ted Davis taking over their show next for the next week. So I was actually on with them today. Um, and it, it went great. So, you know, it was a great great back and forth with them today. And then I'll be on all next week with them on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. I also write for Cheesehead TV, Draft Guide. It's a must own. I'm telling you guys right now, it's not just because I write for them and I do quarterbacks and uh, hidden gems, but it just has uh, just it's just packed with information and on every on everything Packers related and NFL related, and uh, you know that that's and I also do my damage on Twitter. Uh, you're gonna mm-hmm. see me. I released my top ten list yesterday, so take a look. It's at NFL Draft Regs R E G S. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Next week, obviously, ELA will be back with us. We assume we're going to get a chance to break down day two recaps and day three preview, which is, like, wild. We're only five or six days, depending on when you're listening to this, away from the draft. Like, that is, like, it's tough to comprehend. I'm I'm floored that we've been doing this for so many weeks that it's like, holy shit, the draft is already next week. Uh, tomorrow on Sunday's episode, it'll be Nick, Mike, and Gage once again doing draft sleepers. We are pretty much done when it comes to positions. We wrapped it up with the quarterbacks, and those boys are going to break down the sleepers. And I know... I know Mike for sure will have some. Mike Mike Wentland, shout out Iola, Scandinavia, is an absolute demon when it comes to the draft sleepers. Um, you can still follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Also, if you still have yet to follow Packaday Podcast on Twitter, please do so. Just like Rob Rieger and other people that have been joining us through the draft season, that's how you're going to get to follow new people that are not normally on the schedule of Packaday Podcast, your only daily Packers podcast that you can still find, obviously, on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Please share, like, subscribe, comment, send it to your grandma, let her know that she should be listening to Packaday Podcast. She's a Packer fan, of course. Um, Rob. We're going to sign off, man. We are going to get out of here and I guess next week break down day two recap. It just, it's honestly tough when I looked at the schedule. It's tough for me to actually comprehend that yeah. we're going to be, have some picks to analyze next time we speak. It's absolutely, we are fully in draft mode. I'm I like, I, I have yet to mention this to only a couple people. I have yet to do a mock draft. I haven't done a single mock draft for the Packers. I'll, I'll only do one of them, so I'll have mine probably released on Tuesday. I've been, been kind of working at it, but I, <laughs> you know, I haven't released mine either, so don't worry about it. Okay, we got time. Okay. I got some degenerate, degenerates that I know that have done like 80 of them, so I'm like, I don't even know what, what are we doing? Like, how are you even, what are, what, yeah. what data are you gathering from that? Um, but we thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend. And as always, go, go back. Go. Go.